my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that, Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Kia ora Tefano, and thank you very much for tuning in to another episode of Code with Kingy. It is my first interview in 2022, looking to build on bigger things from the past two years. And first up, I've got a brother from Auckland, a Manu Samoa representative, and one of the newest members of one of the newest Super Rugby teams, Moana Pacifica, that being Samuel Slade. First of all, Kaz, thank you very much for taking some time out of your weekend to talk to me, and how's things? Hello, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, it's going pretty good. Um, just getting back into training and um, just excited for what's to come, really. So what is the buzz around camp at the moment? I mean, I've talked to a few boys who've had experience in those super environments, and obviously they've had pre-established sort of cultures and whatnot, whereas you've come into a team where, you know, it's a fresh canvas, it's a clean slate, and there's almost this needing to build up a culture. So how have things sort of gone in that department? Um, it's, a, it's a pretty special feeling among the group. Uh, we had a... I think a four-day culture camp uh, to start this year off and we really just nailed down on our values and what we want to look like as a team and um, I think a lot of the senior players are doing a real good job of driving that um, the likes of Christian, Lydia Fano and Skopje Kepu and that but yeah it's a, it's a real good vibe I'm just excited to see what we look like on the field. Most definitely me as well and now as you know, as it sort of comes with the title, bro, there's the added elements of the whole cultural significance with, with you boys all being of Pacific heritage or Māori heritage. So how does that compare to maybe your experiences with the Manu Samoa team or any team that you've been a part of up until this point in your career? Like it must be somewhat more significant, I'm guessing, with having that cultural bond and that significance that you're playing for a people rather than just a region. It's quite similar to uh, playing for uh, the Manu in terms of we all kind of look the same and so we all we all know what we what we've been through and um when everyone kind of understands that the path that we've all taken or most of us have taken um it makes uh things on the field a little bit easier and i don't know i think it creates a stronger bond than what you usually have i feel like we're more than a team which is um pretty cool and so have you guys had much interaction with um, external sort of speakers or like how like how do you actually encompass all of those things to go in with the rugby of, of course I, I think that you know you guys as players are driving a lot of things and you've got the coaches and whatnot but have you had people come in to help with those sorts of things we actually had Eri Rata's, um father and mother Fatu and um, Parehuia uh, they're both quite strong in that space and they kind of um, took us through our cultural kind of uh, camp and we also got I don't know their names but we um, we got one guy from uh, just north of um, Pukekohe and we had another, I think it was a Tongan minister and he um, helped us out and so because we're a range of cultures it kind mm -hmm. of um, encompasses everything so yeah we've had a couple external people come in Is it something that you've tapped into for a lot of your life or is it something that you've only sort of come close to with, with playing for Manu and, and being within this team because I know for myself bro I'm, I'm of Māori heritage but I was pretty much raised as a Pākehā um, and I've used sort of my latter years to try and get a better understanding of where I come from and um, like who I am with being half Māori or a quarter Māori so 
has it been like an ongoing journey for you or is it something that you've only really sort of just come into? Well, for myself, I didn't really have a traditional Samoan upbringing. Um, my mother is full Samoan and my dad's half, but um, there was no real Samoan spoken in the household. And so just growing up, I didn't really know the language at all. And it was only until I put my hand up for Samoa that um, I started to get really into the culture. Um, I've actually like recently purchased like a um, like an online Samoan like learning course that I'm going to get into. I don't know. I think it's given me a bit more, more motivation to um, just be able to speak and even just understand. And yeah, like you said, um, being in this space, the more Pacific Pacific teams like real culture driven and values driven and Pacifica driven. And so, yeah, it just meant that I'm more, yeah, more motivated. And it's a bit easier as well because mm-hmm. everyone's kind of in the same ship. Exactly. And I guess, like you said, if, you, if you're looking to pick up the language, you've got a whole bunch of boys that be speaking Samoan fluently, you know, when you're turning up to work every day. But then do your yeah. parents also speak Samoan as well? Is that someone that you could bounce off? So my mum uh, speaks, but my dad doesn't. And for the loud, last kind of 10 years I've basically just um, stayed in touch with my my father and so mm-hmm. I haven't really got I haven't really got a um someone to bounce ideas off apart from my flatmate yeah. um Ezekiel Lindemuth who grew up in Samoa but all he all he teaches me is the swear words it sounds no different to the boys that I was hanging around at high school bro um speaking of high school as well I know that from doing my little bit of homework on you you're a boy from Auckland where you're currently based for Mahi so um, before we get into what what's to come ahead with the Moana Pacifica team, bro, why don't you take us back to the very start, uh, whereabouts you grew up and how you got into playing rugby? So I grew up in Auckland. Uh, I moved around a little bit, but mostly stayed within the central. I was a bit bigger as a little kid. There's um, pictures of me with chocolates and ice creams and stuff. And so I think we just got a letter in the mail asking if I wanted to play. And so I went to the local club, which was um, Ponsonby Ponies. I started at under eights and um, yeah, I really enjoyed the club from the start, despite not winning a game my first season. And so the next year I came back, half the team that I played with was gone because they were sick of losing. But um, yeah, it was pretty enjoyable. I started playing from then. Once I got the intermediate, I started playing basketball as well. And so I went from being this real fat, big Islander kid to just this real skinny, lanky dude because puberty was starting and I was playing two sports all the time. Um, from there, I went to Manaba Grammar for my high school. I really enjoyed it there. I got to play three years under um, Jeff Moon, Mooney, RIP. Um, yeah, that was when I, I think I started taking it a bit more seriously. Um, I was comparing myself to other people in my position. And I thought, oh, I've got a, got a pretty, pretty good chance of um, being all right at this, I think. Lucky enough to get selected for NZ Secondary Schools, which was my first taste of, um, I guess, the next level, which was pretty cool. Following year, went to Auckland Academy. It was a bit of a wake-up call going from high school when everything's um, everything's organised for you. you got your timetable laid out, all your trainings. And then to go from that to just the real world, um, I started studying at uni as well. And so that took a little while to get used to just um, the time management kind of stuff but it was still enjoyable so I went back to ponies that year as well the following year 2017 I was lucky enough to play NZ20s 
which was um, a real highlight. We managed to win the whole thing, which was a real cool And uh, it was pretty special for me. That same year, I debuted for Auckland, which was um, which was real good. Managed to play six games, and it was um, it was a dream come true to work to run out Eden Park as a little nineteen year old kid. Um, so yeah, uh, almost chucked in at the deep end as, as well, but I enjoyed it nonetheless. Uh, yeah, I made the move to Marawatu uh, for Midas, which was oh, another experience. First time moving out of Auckland. Um, it was good, not the most successful season, but um, I was glad I did it. I met a couple of good dudes, and it was it was good to get uh, one of those experiences. Year after that, um, I came back up to Auckland, um, signed with Counties Monaco, and I think I've been there ever since. And so, yeah, that's been my rugby journey so far. Same slate to date, bro. I like how you've actually sort of like chopped it all up into different segments bro so i'll start with the ponies um and just as a sort of touch point for us bro i actually played for ponsonby as well in my time in auckland i actually started out out east bro so i'm, I'm a wellies boy through and through but yep. i moved out to auckland when my parents split and we were staying out uh sort of how at pakaranga way and i started oh, with yeah. pakaranga and we were okay bro like a lot of money some nice fields always had the best kit yeah but yep. we didn't win as many games as what we would have liked and then i moved more central to move in with my old man and I actually played with the ponies. Good to yeah. see the likes of like BG Williams on the sidelines. Um yeah. Yeah. man Always. local legend. And then yeah. I actually kicked on to Mount Abbott Grammar as well, my man. Year nine. So oh, really? but I'm a couple yeah, I'm a couple of years older than you, I think. I finished in 2014. That was my last year of school when I moved back to Wellington. Oh right. But yeah. Fucking two degrees of separation, eh? Yeah, hard out. Um but yeah moving moving back to grammar bro. So where whereabouts did you grow up and was Mount Albert always the school for you or did you more because I knew even in my short time in Auckland just how prestigious a sporting school it was and that was the big draw card for me. So was that similar yeah. for you or was it the school just around the corner? Um, I think I was staying in Point Chev at the time but my dad had a had a flat in Mount Albert and so we used his address and um, <laughs> I actually wanted, wanted to go to Western Springs because that's where all my mates were going. Mm-hmm. But um, my parents said, no, go to Mags. Um, it's better for sport. And uh, I think I'm grateful for my parents for making me go to Mount Albert Grammar. I think it worked out all right for me. Yeah. I, but I mean, you get to Mags, year nine, year 10. Like, was the rugby academy still in place like when you were there, bro? Because that was one of the, the coolest things for me, the idea of actually taking rugby as a subject. Um, yeah. And you mentioned you were going through a bit of a transition from going from a you know, maybe slightly overweight kid to being this beam pole and, and growing into your to your man's body. So how did sort of the rugby progression go from year nine through to year 13? I think you said you played three years of first 15. So by the time you got to high school, were you already quite good amongst those your age? And then were you almost a shoo-in once you got to year 11? Or like, how did that whole process work? I think to begin with, like in year nine, I was just like the tallest kid. And so they just put me at lock and I won most of the lineouts. And I was, I was still pretty skinny as well, and so I was, I was still pretty fit. And then, yeah, the, the rugby academy helped a lot. It was basically just another um, couple of trainings a week that you got to do during school time as well. Um, BG was coaching that when he was still there, and there was a couple others as well. So year nine, yeah. Year nine, I was a tall beanpole. Year 10, I think they started giving me a bit more responsibility, and so I, I was captain of... Um, I think the 
under-14s and the under-15s teams growing up. But, yeah, I still wasn't really taking it seriously. I was just doing it for the love of it and not really doing the extras that would be um, necessary to kick on. Um, I had a pretty all-good uh, year 10 season, uh, under-15s. And then there, uh, Mooney started uh, coaching um, at the start of my year 11. And he... Um, he said, uh, we want you to trial for the first 15. But I was not a, I wasn't, I wasn't a shoe in by any, um, by any means. I had to work pretty hard and I, um, I struggled a little bit just playing against grown men. Uh, there's a lot of, there's a big difference between a 15 year old kid and a 17, 18 year old, 18 year old man. And so, uh, that took a little while to get used to. And I was, I was still, uh, mucking around a little bit with my, um, time management and stuff. I think I got stood down like for a month from the first 15 for not turning up to captain's run because I was having my mate move his house, move house. <laughs> that was, that was a mistake that I, I won't, I won't happen, won't happen again. But, um, uh, after that year 11, I got a bit more professional. I think I started taking it more seriously. And I think, um, my performances started to, um, really show what I could do as well. Hence the secondary school selection eventually. So at what point, so you said you obviously went through some growing pains in year 11, coming to the realisation that it's probably going to take a little bit more than natural talent uh, to get you to where you want to be. But in terms of like what your vision was with your rugby, at what point did you think that, okay, yep, I want to make rugby or I want to give this rugby thing a crack to where I can, you know, just be living off it? I'd probably say like uh, halfway through year 12, maybe. Oh, actually, yeah, the start of year 12, because... um. After year 11, I think, my other flatmate, Dalton Papali'i and I, we got called into the Blues for like a week-long apprenticeship thing. And so it was just him and I um, just rubbing shoulders with um, all the Blues players, Stephen Lutua and all that. And so that was pretty cool. And we just spent a week training with them and seeing what makes them tick and stuff. And so from then, I was pretty set on it. I didn't realize that you could actually like do it for a living. I hadn't really given it a proper thought. And so from that moment, I was like, oh, I probably work pretty hard and then I could maybe do something like this. And so, yeah, probably from that moment. And then I just, I, you, you got to make uh, a couple of sacrifices here and there. Your mates are probably not on the same wavelength as you at that age. And so and you just have to, I don't know, pick and choose your moments, I guess. Bro, I was that guy that was probably on a way different wavelength to what you were on, not quite appreciating just how much free time you have during high school compared to what you have to go through uh, once you leave, bro. And I only, I live like two minutes down the road from my school, so I had no excuse not to be going down there and doing as yeah. much as I can with my footy. Because, I mean, I love it. I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm a tragic with it. Um, I wish I was on your side of the microphone rather than on my side. But, hey, that's yeah. the that's the way the cookie crumbles when you make the choices that you do at, at pivotal times. So, like you said, Ultimately, you put your foot down in year 12 and that leads to you making the NZ schools the following year. Um, and so yep. what sort of opportunities came off the back of that? Like you said, you entered the Auckland Academy, but I know that with the professionalism that's sort of around or would have been around in your time and is probably more prevalent now, had there been you know, other scouts come to you, maybe from league circles, because I know that's a big thing with the Auckland schools, or had there been the opportunity to go down to Canterbury or to Otago? And what ultimately led you to wanting to stick to Auckland? It was actually the um, the lack of opportunity. Um, and so I think um, a lot of unions didn't really um, 
didn't really rate me on the radar until I made secondary schools. And then um, after that, I got an offer from Auckland for the academy. And I think there was whispers coming from Waikato, but um, Auckland was the only kind of concrete option. And so that was why I went with Auckland. Interesting. I just would have thought yeah. that with all of those injured schools boys that they would have been throwing the kitchen sink. But, you know, obviously different scouts and different coaches have their um, yeah. their likes and their that's, dislikes. That's what I thought too. <laughs> <laughs> but nah, it was good. I was, I was glad to have chosen Auckland. For their loss? Oh, or no, yeah. their loss as in those that didn't offer you any opportunities, Auckland's gain. Yeah. So what was the plan once you left school? Like you said, you picked up some uni papers and that took a bit of um, figuring out in terms of your time management and getting to and yeah. from trainings rather than rocking up to mags where, you know, you have your rugby training, you have your bio, you have your English classes all within the yeah. school, whereas you got to get up early now, you got to go to your trainings with the academy, then you got to make your way into town for uni. So yeah. How did that all work? And I'm guessing you would have played 19s as well? Yeah. Um, and so just being put out into the... was interesting to begin with. No one was really holding my hand or anything. So you just got to figure it out yourself. The The lack of sleep was what got me. And so just the real early starts. And then off Too to much uni. Fortnite. Nah, I don't think I had a PlayStation yet. I had enough money. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just... Yeah, just mucking around with the time that I had, but it got to the point where you're, when you wake up, leave the house when it's dark, and then you get home and it's still dark. And so, yeah, um, struggled through that a little bit, um, but got there eventually, cracked Auckland under 19s, and we had a really good, really good side, uh, really good coaches as well. Um, we just slipped up to Waikato in the final, but my performances and it, couple of the other boys on our team meant that we got into the wider squad for the under 20s from that and so yeah it was a overall pretty successful campaign all right slip up you know right at the last hurdle but i guess the silver lining is like you see getting selected and probably the closest to the all blacks nowadays where they're not being or maybe you know the maori all blacks and i know that's super rugby and i'm just talking at the at the representative level so so what happened from there obviously you go away you grieve a little bit kick some stones but then ultimately it's back to the drawing board about what's to come for you ahead did you spend any time with the blues over that preseason before rolling into the following year nah not at all i just did my own training i actually went away to southeast asia with my partner for three or four weeks just to get a bit of a break and because uh, like i said before that first year out of high school was pretty tough um i also moved out of home for the first time halfway through just before under 19s and so that was um that was a bit, a bit tough as well. And so I just basically did a little bit of training up until Christmas. And then I went on a mental break for three weeks. And then I came back um, probably a bit fat and a bit unfit, but I was refreshed. And I just told the selectors, I'll be where you need me to be by the time that you need me to be there. And then I got there in the end and I made the team, which was pretty cool. How important are those mental breaks for guys like yourself who are playing footy all year round. I know that you probably had a, a longer break than expected with the lockdown at the back yeah. end of last year, but I think that's something that I'm always intrigued with because, I mean, I get two weeks off at the end of the year and I have my annual leave throughout the year to sort of give myself breaks here and there, whereas you guys don't really have that um, availability in terms of spare time outside of your days off and maybe the weeks between seasons, but even those are pretty slim these days. So 
Like, how important is time away from the game to you to actually get your head straight and not be thinking rugby, rugby, rugby like you probably do, you know, nine tenths of the year? I think it's crucial. Eh? Like, I always make sure to like really enjoy my breaks, and I just I always feel like we don't get long enough off. But um, yeah, I always yeah, like I said, I always make sure I make the most of it because when you think about it we basically play rugby for like 11 months of the year. And so, yeah, all the time that you get off, you just, you've got to make the most of it. <clears throat> so what does that, what does that typically look like for you? Because I know you still sort of have to stay on top of your training and yeah. I'm guessing there's points bef- before and maybe just as you're going back from your holiday that you need to make contact with the coaches or maybe they're checking in on you over the weeks mm. just to see how you're doing. But is it as simple as, I don't know, just getting up and exercising in the morning and then using the rest of the day to relax or like, I don't know. Like I know some yeah. guys find it hard to go away because if they spend too many days off doing their conditioning blocks, then, you know, they get into a space where they don't want to do them or they just lose all that enthusiasm or that consistency. So is that something that you've had to sort of deal with over the past couple of years about like how you find that balance between getting away and giving yourself a break, but making sure that you don't take too great a break to where you're maybe a step behind from where you were when you started your holiday yeah I think it's very it's very hard to stay on top of it especially after even just the past year that we've had but I tend to front load front load my weeks and so if I had something big planned for the weekend I might do a real hard uh, couple of days at the start of the week just so I can feel good about myself and then I'll um I'll break it off towards the end just so I can really enjoy myself but yeah um, everything in moderation I guess and you also got to remember that rugby's not the um, not the be or end or you always got to make sure that you're you're good before anything else absolutely bros as much as rugby I guess is your life because it is your occupation if things aren't going well off the field or um, things aren't quite there with your head I guess that starts to impact your on-field performance and then that's when things can take a turn for the worse but more back to um your footy coming back from your good break after a um a big learning year the first year out yeah. you're back into it with the nz 20s and you fly over to georgia to compete in that world cup now up until that point had you spent much time overseas outside of holidays for footy and what did that campaign show you around i don't know just how much a team can come together like because I went back and looked at the team that you made and you only have to look at some of the names on there, you know, Will Jordan, Caleb Crazy Clark, eight. your mate yeah. Dalton, Safwan yeah. Moore, like a lot of guys that have kicked on. And so at that time, like, you know, as you're going through those sort of trial stages and, and the team's slowly being whittled down, did you actually realise like how talented the team was like at that time? And I mean, yeah, just, I mean, I, I went back and watched some of the video clips. I mean, that team was just unreal. Stacked. Um, well, leading up to the to the selection, um, I was real kind of nervous. I've always struggled with self confidence, and so I I was sure that I wasn't going to make it, even though how hard I was trying. And so after I made it, I was just on top of the world, and I got quite a lot of game time as well. And so it was just a it was a big boost of confidence for me. It was pretty cool uh, going to somewhere that no New Zealand team had ever been before. Our, our theme for the campaign was uh, conquering Everest. And so every game would be like a different kind of um, like base camp, like the summit, like stuff like that. Mm. And so after we, after we won, I was like, man, we, we just conquered the, conquered the mountain. 
And so um, Pody, Rakete, Stones and I, we got a little, um, we got a little like mountain just on our, um, on our, on our person, which was pretty cool just to commemorate the, um, the journey that we'd, that we'd been through. But no, yeah, it was a, it was an eye opener to play with that caliber of player. Like, like you said, um, like half the teams, like all blacks now, like, I think I'm like the last one to play super rugby out of their group as well. And so, yeah, it was, it was, it was a real cool experience and, um, something that I cherish. Yeah, bro. All right. Mm-hmm. So you get home from that. And then, like you said, you're into it with the the big boys in Auckland, the top side. So before you actually went away for that World Cup mid-year, did you have any idea as to what your involvement would be with the top team? No, nah, I had no idea. I was chatting to my agent here and there, and he was saying, oh, um, I still need to get in contact with um, Auckland. We might try a couple other teams. And so throughout the whole kind of World Cup campaign, I just had no idea what I was up to. And then when I got back, I think someone must have got injured and um, they offered me a, a full-time contract real late in the piece. I think it was like the week before their first preseason kind of um, game. And so that happened and I was um, I was pretty stoked. Oh, wow. So a pretty whirlwind year. Like you said, you're probably down on your own self-confidence with not thinking you make the 20s. You make that, yeah. like you said, you conquer Everest and then you come back home and after thinking you were no shot for being as part of the Auckland team, suddenly you're in amongst those big boys. And so how did you find that transition going from, I mean, I mean, it's hard enough to be around really awesome players your own age, let alone really awesome players that are men, you know, that have kids and have gone through different life experiences just with being older. So did you find it very hard to then mingle into that group or was that Auckland crop at the time quite welcoming? I found it quite difficult. Like you said, I was I felt like a boy amongst the men, and um, I think that team was pretty stacked as well. Like we had um, Aki was there, Paddy Toops, uh, Malakai, George Moala, um, just a lot of real big names. And um, I yeah, I, I kind of struggled a little bit to click, and I don't know, just feel comfortable in that space. And I I probably don't think I felt comfortable the whole season just because I felt out of my depth. But um, it was enjoyable and it was a, it was a good experience. Um, I'm glad to have gone through that now. But yeah, I felt like I got chucked in, in the deep end. I was this little, um, I felt like a little kid, but I probably didn't look like a little kid. But I, I started like six games at, uh, at six, which I'd never really played before. And so, yeah, it was a, a lot of learnings that year. You could say that. So obviously, like in, at the time, you're having these thoughts around, maybe that you know a lot of self-doubt and being in a, in a different group than probably what you'd experienced up until you know that point in your career like do teams at that professional level promote you know talking about those sorts of things with the coaches or do they have like specialists on hand to help with that sort of stuff because I mean just me thinking out loud the last thing you want to do is go to you know your coach and be like oh I'm not sure I'm ready to play because you know that's probably not what the coach wants to hear or what you want to reiterate to a coach but having talked to some boys who haven't quite cracked on the way that you have and some of my other guests have it's those talks of self-doubt and not having anybody to express them to and to help them through it that actually hindered them going any further with their career so how did you deal with those things at the time and like do you think it's still a space in your own experience that still needs a bit of work to actually help guys get through those growing pains um at the time, really sure who to talk to about it, apart from my partner. 
and so I was lucky that I had her. I could just bounce things off her and just say that I was not really getting it just yet. But yeah, I think it's a, it's a place where there's room for improvement in um, New Zealand rugby, but it also has to come from the, the player, which is the hard thing to actually speak up at first, which is exactly what you don't want to be doing when you're a real nervous, shy, kind of first year in the team type player. But um, yeah, I think it goes both ways. I think there needs to be more room for um, conversations like that or a person that you feel safe to talk to. But um, there's also got to be a little bit of courage in the individual to speak up, which is, which is tough. Mm. I just know from my own experience, for example, bro, like I'm a club rugby battler. And even I myself, you know, if I was having self-doubts or I was down on confidence or my form wasn't that great, the last thing that I would have thought to do was go to my coach and tell him like how I was feeling. Unlike probably yeah. what I do in my occupation to where if I'm having troubles at work, you know, the first person I go to is my manager just to let her know. But yeah. it's sort of a different relationship because, you know, my manager's not going to cut me and bring somebody else in. Whereas in, in a rugby setting, if your coach then with you telling them that, you know, you're not in the greatest mindset, you know, sees that as a potential frailty for the team, you know, like when you have to turn up on a Saturday. Yeah, yeah I, I just, I, I see that sort of like an awkward sort of predicament. Um, and I know that like the likes of the All Blacks and maybe the Super Rugby teams, they have therapists on hand, but, um, you know, those are the, the top echelon guys. Whereas when you're talking at the provincial level, there's probably not those same sorts of coaches and resources available. Um, maybe yeah. even in the academy space as well. So, yeah, I guess I'm just curious um, with, with any of my guests that I get on just to see, you know, like, you know, where their sort of confidence levels were at when they first got their opportunity and if they were down on it, you know, where could they turn to? Because, you know, some people don't have partners, bro. Some people don't have those yeah. support systems around yeah. them that actually help them through those tough times. And then there's a story, you know, in, in the paper the next year talking about, you know, the next big thing, you know, like not playing rugby anymore. And, you know, yep. that could be for a multitude of reasons, but in some of the cases that I've found, it's because they just didn't have anybody to talk to about, you know, the shit that was going on in their head. Yeah, it's pretty tough. Um, I think, like, I, I still kind of struggle with it today, but where I get my, my confidence is from all the work that I put in. Like, I feel like um, I wouldn't be... Uh, where I am without a bit of hard work and so when I think about that I just think that I deserve to be here and I should have been here earlier but yeah it, it would be tough without um, a kind of support person but it's also I think feeling a bit awkward about going to your coach about that it's also a bit of um, that toxic masculinity a little bit like not wanting mm. to appear as kind of weak or vulnerable which is I think it's a it's a work on for New Zealand men, yeah, absolutely, bro. Yeah, um, and it's only amplified when you're in a setting where part of the job description is going out there and getting physical, right, and, and being a tough guy. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I work on not only for the rugby space, but yeah, men in general, like you said. Uh, and then the next year, so get your six caps with Auckland. You're playing a blindside and unfamiliar position, but you know, as as much as you know, you, you're going through your own sort of self-doubt and you're in your head you still get your game time and you get some learning experiences which would ultimately serve you well um going forward with your career but then you take the trip you know down state highway one to the turbos way down <laughs> yeah paradise um, north so, so yeah how did yeah. that come about 
um, so the start of that year, I got called into the blues and I lasted about an hour before I um, pulled my hammy doing um, sprints. And so I did that. I think I did like a grade two tier and I was just feeling real awesome about myself. And so I was out for, I think, two months. And then after that, I got called back in for the um, B side. Like the, I got called into that. And then I think the first five minutes um, of that game, I got I got smacked and I did my shoulder. And so I was out for another like six, seven weeks. And so I was like, oh, awesome, awesome start to the year. And then from then on, um, I was just playing club rugby, trying to um, crack the Auckland side. And then I think I got another like high ankle sprain. Um, I dislocated my finger and I think I got a concussion as well. And so I ended up playing like four club games out of maybe 18 or something like that. And so didn't really put my best foot forward um, to the coaches for Auckland. And so I didn't quite make the team. And then um, Jackson Himmelpool got called into the All Blacks for two. And so there was a spot that opened up there. And so I got called into two. And so... I was grateful for that opportunity because I was actually thinking about um, just taking a break for the rest of the year to rest my body. Um, and so grateful for that opportunity. I uh, went down and it was a, it was a big, um, big difference from the big city life in Auckland uh, to Palmy. But um, I enjoyed it. It was, a, it was a good experience. I met a lot of, um, I met a lot of cool people down there. And um, it was pretty cool just to like live in a different part of New Zealand because it, it was my first time um, leaving Auckland for more than a couple of days. And so that was pretty cool. Not the most successful season, but um, yeah, I was just, I was grateful for the experience and grateful for for them picking me in the first place as well. All right. So I've got a couple of questions to um, that last spiel. The first of which is just thinking back to the year you had prior, right? So you made the New Zealand 20s you conquer Everest, you get caught into the Auckland team, you know, a, a, a pretty tip-top year, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then you go into the following year thinking that things are just going to, you know, you're just going to keep the good times rolling. And then you hit one injury and then you hit another yeah. injury and then you hit another injury. And like you said, you're just having, you're having an even awesomer year the following. <laughs> and I guess that just goes to show just how quickly things can change, not only in life, but especially in rugby circles where, you know, knock it on wood, but, you know, they always had that spiel where it's, you know, you're only one injury away from retirement. But for you, you know, having gone from the top to then having to go through maybe the lowest of lows um, in your career, you know, just from a rugby perspective, like how did did you deal with that? And, I mean, yeah, like what was your thinking at the time? Because, I mean, obviously, like you, you go through it and you learn from it, you know, experience is the best teacher. But when you're in it, it can be quite hard to sort of, fathom that you know you know it's it's a or for me and i'm only comparing myself you know you know clovery battler to professional player but it's just like why me you know like this yeah. is so frustrating you know like why am i going to keep playing you know like i need my body for more than just rugby so yeah can you talk us through or can you remember back to like sort of those darker days yeah not gonna lie it was it was pretty tough yeah probably one of the most challenging years of my rugby career um i think in my heart i knew that i um I knew what I could do, even though my body wasn't doing it. And so I think there's a bit of resilience there. And I think I also wanted to prove people wrong. Uh, after making that Auckland team the year before, 
the whole kind of coaching and management changed. And so when they um, came in, um, they weren't really um, they weren't, weren't really set on me. And so that was another kind of chip on my shoulder, um, bit of motivation. And even though I was thinking of um, taking a break uh, just for the rest of the year, I think I um, I think the love of the game just got me through. Like at the end of the day, I don't like it's nice to make a bit of money off it and um, stuff like that. But I I play it because I really enjoy playing it and I like the friends and the relationships that I make from it. And also I had a, a boys trip planned um, for after my 10. And so that was what was getting me through as well, because I knew there was a light at the end of the tunnel. I'm going to LA, I'm going to Cuba, Jamaica, Miami. I should be sweet. <laughs> yeah, bro, it's always nice having those end goals or something to work towards, right? Mm. You know, as just a reward for um, what sounded like a, a pretty tough year. My follow-up question to that was, bro, like you said, you moved out of home for the first time um, towards the second half of the year, your first year out of uni, but you're still in Auckland. Mm. And then the yeah. following year, you're moving down to Palmy, um, which yeah. is away from family, or you're, you're first and away from home, really, even though yeah. you know, you're out of home in Auckland. So how, how did you adjust with that even and not having you know, your boys around you that, like, for example, with me, you know, like when I've gone out flatting, I've still got my mates around me, right? Because I'm still in the city that yeah. I was raised in, whereas you've gone away. Yeah. And although you've got your rugby boys, unless you know guys in the team from previous teams that you've played in together, you know, that can be a bit of a rude awakening as well, just turning up to rugby and then going home and not doing anything, yeah. or just playing PlayStation or, I don't know, just being 100%. on FaceTime with the boys. So was that quite a hard space to navigate as well? Yeah. Um, it doesn't help that I'm like, I'm quite an introverted person to begin with. And so I find it kind of hard if I'm not drunk to make uh, like connections real fast. And so I knew I was kind of acquainted with a couple of the boys in the Turbos team, but um, not not real real close and so a good thing that they did was um they'd have uh, a little um dinner date for anyone that was keen on the tuesday leading into the off day and so every um every week or so we'd go to a um a new restaurant in palmy because there's heaps there and we just get a feed and chew the fat which was pretty cool but i also probably played the most fortnight i've ever played um because i just go home and just ask the boys what they're up to and then i just stay on which was pretty bad my flatmates probably thought I was a hermit but um that was another another way of um dealing with being away from home yeah bro I, I can't even imagine like how many hours I clocked up during my last two years of uni because I'd literally yeah. just get into this ritual going home um and as bad as it is you know being glued to a screen I think unless you've actually gone and and played the game you don't quite realize that it's not so much about playing the game it's about having a laugh with your boys um in the group chat and yeah. um especially for someone like you who was away from home just having that connection and still feeling like he's involved yeah. with family and friends yeah. and whatnot while having to go off and play or trade um yeah fortnight days bro what a throwback um but bringing it back to your career bro so you spend the time in palmy but then you go back um, home you go on your boys trip live it up in america and then rolling back into the next year what was the plan did you have to go back to club rugby and then did you even have a mitres contract lined up for that year nah and so i went back to auckland um and i just started training with them just um, using their gym pretty much and then i started hearing whispers that um counties might be keen and so 
I think I did a preseason tour with Auckland just as a last kind of um, a last attempt to make the squad, and they weren't um, they weren't sent. Oh, they weren't set um, on me, and so I went over to counties. I think I played one one club game, and then um, the head coach came up to me after the game. He said, "Oh, I'll um, I'll send the contract through on Monday," and I was like, "Oh, um, okay, sweet." And so that was um, that was pretty cool, and um, I've been at counties ever since. How do the two teams differ? I mean, like a lot of you boys must know each other just with it being so close. But I mean, were there any other outside factors, like with you wanting to go to counties? Like, was it just because it was the closest opportunity to home and the drive was maybe an extra 20 minutes in comparison to having to fly down to the Palmy? Um, I think yeah, it definitely had a, had a say in me wanting to go. I did a little bit of looking around just before I signed the contract and um, at the gym and stuff. And it just seemed like a quite like a close-knit community. Like South Auckland, it's not a huge uh, kind of area. And so everyone kind of knows everyone. And um, yeah, I just felt quite at home from the from the beginning, which was a pretty cool, um, pretty cool feeling. And it helps that um, there's a, a lot of Pacific Islanders within the team. And so that only added to how comfortable I was. Did you find it very hard having to bounce from environment to environment? Because you went from Auckland, Manawatu, and then to counties. Like, did you know many of the boys in, in, in the counties team that made maybe the, the introduction part a little bit easier? Um, I knew, I only knew a couple. I knew um, Auburn Ledger from um, in their 20s. Um, but apart from that, not really. And so... I think being a part of um, Auckland and Manawatu and NZ20s kind of helped me. I think it's easier to make connections with different people when you've been a part of a couple of different groups. It didn't take very long um, for me to make uh, a couple of connections in the county's group. Mm. Now, I don't want to touch on the rugby because um, counties, unfortunately, aren't known for <laughs> winning um, a oh. lot of games, bro. Sorry, sorry to bring that up, but I thought um, I'd start there rather than asking you how those seasons went, um, yep. although I'm sure that they had their high points. But amongst your ticket touring, like I've, like I've sort of numbered off, you've been in Auckland, you've been in Manawatu, um, you've been to South Auckland with counties, but then you also had a stint in America, bro. Oh, yeah. Colorado Rapids um, um, in 2020, so the year of the pandemic. So did that opportunity come about just from your curiosity um, with your with your traveling exploits? And yeah, again, how um, did that opportunity come to where you want to head over there, especially at that time? Yeah. Um, so the previous year for counties, um, I just told my agent I was keen to, to play somewhere. Like, I don't want to play club rugby. I'm sick of the grind. And he's like, okay, I'll, I'll see what I can do. And he came back with um with a deal from the Colorado Raptors in America. I jumped at the opportunity. I thought it was pretty um pretty interesting. And so I got all the visas done and I headed over there. And I was there for about two months before COVID hit. And so I'd signed before like all that stuff kind of started happening. And then as soon as I got there, it just slowly started happening. And I was like, oh my gosh, what's it? What is it? But my time in the States was pretty cool. I really enjoyed the, the food, the, the barbecue. Uh, the, the fans and the people were um, real passionate, even though they didn't really know what they're watching. Um, <laughs> I had people come up to me after the game asking me if I was on attack or defense. 
and I said, oh, I, I did a bit of both. And they're like, wow. <laughs> um, so that was that, that was pretty funny. But um, no, it was, a, it was a good experience. And um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. It was my first time being to the snow as well. Interesting. Yeah. That would have been... Um, did you enjoy it, bro? I myself, I'm, I'm not that big a fan of snow, having come from a warmer climate, or I don't even know what you consider New Zealand, but did you do any skiing over there? Because I know that, yeah, Denver's known for its skiing. Nah, I didn't get, actually get a chance to do much because I was only there for a short amount of time. Um, the only thing I did was um, go for like a, a nature walk in the in the ranges, which was pretty cool. But yeah, just day to day, the, the snow was pretty cool. I, I'm quite a warm body, and so I enjoyed like being able to put on big track suits and jackets and stuff like that. It was pretty cool. Yeah, bro. Get a drip out. All right. So yeah. short-lived the state thing um but again yeah. um a nice little experience to tick off as part of your rugby journey um but then you return home for miters again um don't have to go over the results for that campaign um but then leading into 2021 yeah didn't have a super contract at the time so how did the opportunity with Samoa come about was that off the back of counties and had you had those conversations towards the back end of 2020 nah. okay not the um, case talk us through it nah I think what helped my case was that I was based um, in Australasia. And so um, they couldn't really uh, pick from the Northern Hemisphere just because of um, mm. COVID and travel regulations and that. And so that kind of helped my case. But uh, the coach, Selala Lapusua, he also just uh, dropped me a message and said, said what he saw in me and that he was pretty keen on having me on if I was keen. And um, I was I was pretty um, surprised at first. There was nowhere on my radar at all. I was playing club in counties and just thinking about what I was going to have for dinner the next day. And to get a phone call from him was um, it was pretty buzzy. And so I had to think it over for a little bit. Um, obviously, growing up in New Zealand, like your first kind of um, your initial dream is to be an All Black, but uh, the coach kind of um, said um it's not like the end of your dream it's just like evolving and um i quite i quite like that and i thought it'd be pretty cool to um represent my culture and my family and so yeah it took it didn't take very long for me to make my mind my mind up um i spoke to who i thought was important i spoke to a couple um players that were currently playing for them and um all like they all all i heard was um nice things and so yeah i put my hand up for that and um yeah, it was very enjoyable. Talk us through the games. How did those camps, I know we touched on again at the top of the podcast, how the team differs from throwing everything in culturally and representing your family. But again, it must be a step up, you know, because I think at that time you hadn't really had any idea about Super Rugby like what you do now. So no. was that a rude awakening as well, going from playing Midas to then playing with guys who had played at the top level? Yeah, I, I enjoyed our um, our coaching staff. We had a real good um, coaching staff. We had Andrew Goodman from Tasman. Um, we had Mahonri Shroga, Tana Umanga, and um, TC um, from the Blues. And so the jump up was kind of, it was made easier through their coaching just um, because of how good they were. Dealing with the players and the team, um, it was a it was just a real nice environment, just from the first moment you, you step in, everyone's real welcoming and um, everyone's real supportive of you as well. But the the actual games, 
um, it took a little while to get used to just that that next level because um, our first couple games were against Māori All Blacks and um, obviously they just finished a pretty helter-skelter Super Rugby tournament and so yeah it took a little while to get used to um, the results weren't favourable favorable for us but it's pretty good learning um, and pretty cool just to rub shoulders against uh, players like that. Obviously, never playing Super before. It must be difficult <clears> as well. Like you said, you're playing against guys with, with the Māori All Blacks that maybe had a few combinations from those Super games throughout the year to where you, you, yeah. know, you guys are sort of brought in from all over Australasia from different parts of the country. You know, a very yeah. short window to actually get in and, you know, I guess one establish some sort of culture and then two implement a game plan that everyone's on the same page with and then having yeah. to go out and actually do it on the field like with having such a short turnaround had that been like anything you'd experience up until that point as well mm, no nah, i've never been in a campaign that was that kind of um short but also full-on and so that was um yeah it was it was difficult but it was good um i think the senior players in the team really helped that transition because like half of us like the previous week had been like at our jobs like at our nine to fives and then the week after we're playing pretty much a, a test match which was um yeah it was pretty crazy to think about but yeah it took it took it definitely took a little while to get used to but yeah ultimately um led to you representing your country though um yeah off the back of that year you played the Māori Blacks also got to play Tonga picked up a good yeah. one there um yeah and then I guess at the time you probably thought that you were rolling into um, miters off the back of that, bro. Um, but, yeah, but as we mentioned, like that was that was put on ice after two weeks with Auckland going into alert levels. And so I guess sort of bringing it full circle, bro, after having such a long break, because would that have been what be what would have been your last game would have been in what August, September, up until yep, now, August. or whatever trial games you've had in house. Um, yep. So what what are sort of your goals? you know, sort of looking towards this year um, just just for you personally and, and even if you can sort of give us any insight into um, what Moana Pacifica's goals are as well because, like you said, it, I mean, it must have been good to have like a, a break of some sort, but mm. I'm guessing in that, that window long. when you... Yeah, or, well, yeah, 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 well, even like when you're in lockdown, you sort of have to stay ready, right? Like you still yeah, have sort of have your rugby to. hat on. So, yeah, like what... like. Yeah, what, what what have you got written down in your notebook as to what you want to accomplish in 2022? Um, individually, I just want to be in a in a good place uh, mentally, like happy and just, I don't know, just enjoying enjoying what I do. Rugby-wise, I want to be Super Rugby Rookie Player of the Year, or Rookie of the Year, and I want to be the um, Moana Pacifica Player of the Year. And um, I think for a team, we just want to uh, be the best that we can be. We want to be, we want to achieve um, while also staying true to ourselves and um, representing our people and our, our culture and stuff like that. I don't want to put a, um, a placing or a marking on where we want to finish, but I think um, if we stay true to ourselves, we know what we can achieve. Bro, yeah. it's pretty good goals. Um, and I, for one, being a rugby fanatic, Look forward to you boys going toe to toe with um I guess the old teams that you call them now with you and the feature yeah. and drawer entering the competition, bro. Um, I think that's pretty much a wrap on what I wanted to cover off um for your career, my man. Um, but I'm not sure 
if you've actually had a listen to any of my previous podcasts. But what I'd like to do before I let my guests go is take them through two last segments. The first of yep. which is, can you go through your game day routine for me and the listeners, please? Okay. Um, so usually we play at 7 o'clock. And so I'll usually sleep in a little bit. We wake up around 9 or 10. I'll have my breakfast. And then I might do a little stretch or roll. Um, and then after that, I'm just playing PlayStation and blasting my music until I have to have lunch, which will be two hours after that. And then back to PlayStation, back to music. Um, I also like to clean um, on game day. I like to make sure everything's um, like looking like all good, so everything's all set. And so i got to make sure at least my room's clean and the lounge. And then I just go back to PlayStation and blasting my music. I don't really have any superstitions or any um, anything like that. But yeah, just music. That's all I need. If my headphones are dead, then I'm going to be playing a real bad game. Are you hitting yeah. shuffle before a game or do you have a playlist that you always go to? I mix it up sometimes. Like I've got a dedicated like hype playlist, but um, it just depends on what I'm feeling. I might be going for a chill vibe or a little bit of drum and bass. It just, yeah, just depends. And what's your energy going into a game? Do you have to get yourself amped up or do you prefer to have that sort of kawaii mode look going to where like you're you're locked in but you don't have to go like all crazy balls to the wall? I've kind of, um, uh, I've experimented over the years. In the past, I've tried to get myself real amped up and real aggressive and angry. But um, I, I spoke to a mental skills person and I was telling him that I couldn't really get up and I told him what I was trying to do and he said um, you're not that kind of person and so just be yourself and you'll be sweet and so I've taken that on board and I'm just a little bit goofy um, enjoying myself but very um, kind of introverted and just minding my own business yeah, bro. I can vibe yeah. with that bro I'm definitely on the introverted side rather than the extroverted side of things um, but get into my last part 10 in the bin, 10 questions bro you just say whatever comes to mind first yeah all right number one what's your must do on a day off massage nice uh what's your go-to vessel on a night out um geez i really like a malibu pineapple these days or pina coladas that's it um notable pitches pitches coaches pet bro who's the biggest coach's pet you've been around um uh the current one um eddie (laughs) anari Fair enough, bro. Um, favorite cheat meal? There's a mean place out in Papakura. It's called um Chickings. My flatties and I go hard on that. What's the order? Oh, uh, I get like a royal steak burger with a tandoori wrap and some chips, two sprites, maybe. I can't remember. <laughs> uh, childhood idol. Um, geez, probably Kobe. Mm. Yeah. Uh, go to travel destination. I really want to go to Mexico next or New York. Bro, I, I can yeah. say, although I was 16 at the time, I didn't quite get to enjoy myself. Is probably what I would do now. New York, bro, is, yeah. It's, you can get lost in that city like I did, but that's a story for another day. Um, yeah. Cheapest teammate? <clears throat> cheapest? Um, definitely Ezekiel Lindemuth. He never shuts drinks. Bro, I definitely <laughs> know a few guys like that. Um, who's the artist or song that you've got on repeat in your Spotify at the moment? Um, jeez. 
Um, well, my go-to is probably Regulate by um, Nate's Dog and Warren G. Mm, old school. All right. Uh, biggest grub you've played with or against? Um, he's probably unknown to you, but his name is um, Leaf Shrinking. He played for um, Auckland. He's a, he's a real battler, and um, I played with and against him at Mads as well. And so, yeah, he's one of the biggest grubs, but a good teammate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one you want to have on your team rather than play against, right? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, again, Brian, I feel those. Um, last question, my man, just got to finish the sentence for me. Saturdays are for... Family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, diplomatic, Family. I love it. <laughs> Toretto, Vin Diesel. <laughs> All right, my man, um, well, that brings our interview to a close um i just want to reiterate again just how grateful i am for you setting aside some time for me to kick off um a new year with Cove with kingy uh all the best with the rest of pre-season and i look forward to seeing you guys roll out and showing the competition what you're made of uh, thank you thanks for having me um grateful to be on this podcast um yeah all the best legend brother appreciate it thank you Cheers.